all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Showers along Interstate 10 as we go through this afternoon, but those will diminish as the temperatures drop tonight. Now in Macomb, could see an isolated thunderstorm later on today, but again, isolated I think is uh, going to be the operative word. Now it is going to be a lot cooler than yesterday. We made it to 99 degrees in Macomb yesterday, and today we're going to stay in the 80s. Now tomorrow we've got some sunshine, the high at 88. I'm David Maddox for MPB. MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Homework, good or bad? When you were in school, no doubt you had plenty of homework. Do you think it enhanced your learning or was it simply an added burden and stress? Do you think your children have so much homework that it takes away from family life and socialization? We have two teachers here today to talk with us about this topic that's not quite as clear-cut as you think. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. In President Obama's mission to counter China's influence across Asia, he's become the first sitting U.S. president to visit Laos. World leaders are gathered for a summit where the security threat posed by North Korea and calls for sanctions are high on the agenda. The entire international community needs to implement these sanctions fully and hold North Korea accountable. The opening of the meeting was marred, though, by profane remarks the Philippines' new leader, Rodrigo Duterte, publicly made about President Obama. He called Obama a son of a fill-in-the-blank. Duterte later expressed regret and said he was reacting to a reporter's question about criticism of his tactics to crack down on drug crimes. Nevertheless, President Obama called off his meeting with Duterte. Weeks after Republican national security leaders warned the public that Donald Trump would be a risk to national security, the GOP presidential nominee is producing an open letter from dozens of retired military leaders who are declaring just the opposite. NPR's Scott Horsley reports news of the endorsement comes as Trump is preparing to campaign in the military-dominated region of Virginia Beach. The Trump campaign released an open letter of support signed by dozens of former generals and admirals, including 18 three- and four-star officers. Trump said in a statement he's grateful for the support of those who served in uniform, promising if he's elected commander-in-chief, he'll rebuild the military, issue clear rules of engagement, and take care of veterans when they come home. Trump's rival Hillary Clinton has her own stable of military supporters, including retired Marine General John Allen, who helped oversee the Allied campaign against ISIS. Both Clinton and her running mate, Tim Kaine, are speaking today on national security. Scott Horsley, NPR News. Washington. 
The Afghan capital is recovering from a second day of violence. From Kabul, Jennifer Glass reports three militants tried to storm the headquarters of CARE International Aid Organization hours after two bomb blasts in the city killed more than 30 people. The attack on CARE International began with a car bomb late Monday night that shattered windows for blocks in Kabul's Shari Now neighborhood. It's a leafy area with a public park surrounded by restaurants, businesses, residential homes and guest houses. Afghan special forces were able to evacuate 42 people trapped in the building as three attackers moved in. Overnight and early Tuesday morning, the security forces exchanged gunfire with the attackers. For hours, all the streets in the normally busy area of Kabul were blocked to traffic and businesses were closed as the fight went on. Around noon, the siege was over with all three gunmen dead. Amnesty International said the attack was a deliberate targeting of civilians and constitutes a war crime. For NPR News, I'm Jennifer Glass. In Kabul. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was up 17 points at 18,509. S&P was up three and the Nasdaq was up 17 points. You're listening to NPR News. 21st Century Fox is paying $20 million to settle the sexual harassment lawsuit filed by Gretchen Carlson and issuing an apology. In a statement, it expresses regret that the former Fox News anchor was not treated with respect and dignity owed to all of its employees. Carlson had accused management of demoting then severing ties with her after she refused sexual advances from Roger Ailes, a chief executive who was later forced to leave after other women made similar allegations. Meanwhile, Greta Van Susteren, who was wooed by Roger Ailes from CNN, is leaving Fox News. Van Susteren had initially strongly defended Ailes against sexual harassment allegations. Russia's only major independent polling organization is under threat of closure after being designated a foreign agent by authorities. Charles Maines reports from Moscow the move comes just weeks before nationwide parliamentary elections. Americans are inundated with polls during the election season, but Russians have always had fewer to choose from. And only one, the Levada Center, has consistently tracked Russian public opinion independent of the government since the late 1980s. That work may now come to an end. Russia's Justice Ministry declared the Levada Center a so-called foreign agent under a 2012 law preventing NGOs from receiving foreign funding for, quote, political activities. Levada is rejecting the label as tantamount to espionage and says the government's decision will likely force the organization's closure. The move comes ahead of parliamentary elections that observers had been thinking the Kremlin was eager to make more transparent to avoid past social unrest. Yet Levada's troubles began after its polls found public support ebbing away from Russian President Vladimir Putin's ruling United Russia Party. For NPR News, I'm Charles Maines in Moscow. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News, Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include visiting angels, professional caregivers assisting adults in bathing, dressing, meals, and lighthouse work nationwide. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Office locations are at visitingangels.com. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 
Hello, this is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're talking about homework. Is it good or is it bad? Or maybe something in the middle. When you were in school, no doubt you had lots of homework to do, and and maybe there were times that you loved it, but sometimes maybe you just hated it. Do you think that it enhanced your learning, or was it just simply torture, burden, and stress? Do you think your children have um, too much homework and that it maybe takes away from your family life and socialization, or are you one of those strong believers in homework? I have two teachers here today with us to talk about this topic that, as I said in the beginning, is really not as clear-cut as you might think it is. We'll talk about some research, um, but I also want to talk about just general opinion and how it felt. So we want to hear what's going on in your life, and we want you to share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So first, I want to welcome our teachers. Our our first teacher that I'm going to introduce is Chastity Byrne. She is at Clinton High School. Has been a teacher for eight years. And is also a mother, so has a couple of perspectives for us, right? Yes. Thank you so much. Welcome here, and um, look forward to hearing your your thoughts and experiences. And then we have Sarah Porter, who, um, as many of you listeners know, I teach at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and Sarah is presently a medical student there and delightful and wonderful, a child lover, but she is a a former teacher and taught for a few years, correct, Sarah? Yes, four years total. Yeah, and so taught different grades, though. I did uh, full-time anywhere between 7th and 12th grades, and then also 4th through 6th grade science. Okay. So we have a teacher from the public school system, and I believe, Sarah, you were from... I was a private school teacher, yes. So we have have those two um, opinions. Before we get started, though, with me asking them questions, Mm -hmm. I want to just remind our listeners a couple of things. You may remember that that Texas uh, school teacher, Brandy Young's homework policy, just gained viral notoriety when she um, said no homework. She posted her policy in a letter a few weeks ago, and she informed the parents of her second graders that she had decided after looking into whether or not homework might or might not be useful and some of the issues that she really wasn't convinced that homework was something that enhanced learning. So she said that uh, she wanted the the kids to eat dinner as a family, read together, play outside, and get the kids to bed early, meaning that she felt really strongly about the need for that um, family time. And then there was this big burst of um, 
uh, media that was out there. Lots of people on their Facebook page promoting. Lots of Facebook posts. Lots of people very interested in it. Uh, lots of people who felt like, um, golly, that's what I want for my child. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, and um, Chastity, you probably will uh, agree with me on this. I'm a, I um, raised five kids with my husband, and um, we had many a tedious night uh, trying to make sure everybody got their homework done and everybody got things in on time, which did not always happen, even with what we thought was pretty good oversight. Um, so when when we had our school holidays and, and when we had our summer vacations, boy, I kind of felt like I was on vacation, too. Absolutely. As a parent sometimes and as a working mother, you know, it can be um, taxing on you as well to feel like you have homework. But I also look at it as an opportunity for me as a parent, because that's the way that I can stay involved in what my child is doing and know, see firsthand where they may be struggling. Right. And I have, you know, two kids, one who loves homework and one who absolutely detests it. So, Well, interesting. You already brought up one point that the homework proponents say might Mm -hmm. be a benefit of homework, and that is the enhanced interaction between the parent and child to be involved, to help reinforce what they've learned, and to know what they're learning. So with that, I'd like to stop and go to our first caller, Timothy. Welcome from Louisiana. You have some comments about, positive comments about homework. Yes, ma'am, I do. And, um, you know, I spend actually every day, every Sunday solid in study. And I'm 64 years old. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, and what I've learned over the years, I learned this from my parents who studied in front of me as a child, you know? Wonderful. And I learned that I could do anything as long as I could read about it and study it and figure it out, you know. But you have to, you know, part of thinking is having the vocabulary to think the thoughts that need to be thought if you're going to fix a problem or create anything. Mm-hmm. So reading is fundamental to everything, you know, to everything. And our parents, I had five brothers, and our parents... um we had like several nights a week where where we would read from a book, and you know um, it would be passed around. The, you know the the youngest kid would get maybe a page or two, and and so on. You know, uh, and we got to select the book, so we would read through like um, oh I don't know um, Gulliver's Travel. Uh huh. You know. And then one of the other kids would go, oh, you know, let's read, you know, um, 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 Dear Tom Sawyer or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, when I was in third grade, I read all of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn and um, Life on the River. And when I I read all three... um, my mother gave me an oral test on the subject, okay? Yeah. And when I, when I passed the oral test, 
she gave me a Barlow knife just like Huckleberry Finn carried. Oh wow! You know. So, so Timothy, it sounded like your your mother, your parents were very involved in your learning, and that that the um, on the home place there was quite a bit of support that you received, and I think. Yes. Um, that sounds like a, a wonderful way to reinforce you. Now, you mm-hmm. said she gave you an oral test, but um, did you did you feel very anxious about it, or was it a fun discussion? And she was, was trying. They were a great series of books, you know, yeah. for a kid to read. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I think they pretty much sanitized them today. They, you know, and they wouldn't let kids in come to school with a pocket knife today. I don't think. No. Oh, absolutely no. not. No thinking about it. <laughs> I used to bring my BB gun to school. You know? Oh my goodness! Yeah. And I had a I had a buddy whose basset hound came and sat in class all day. You know, Adventure. and would go out at recess with us. You know? Yeah. So I'm going to ask Sarah to comment on um, perhaps why some of that has changed, but it sounds like. Um, One thing that I'd like for us to talk about today as we move along is that you were able to select books to read, so you were excited about them, and then you were able to engage in a conversation Mm -hmm. about the book in a fun uh, way, and also got a reward for it, mm-hmm. which was even better. So, Sarah, some thoughts? Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like your parents were really involved in making it a fun learning environment, and you and your brothers got to go on adventures together and use your imaginations and to have fun with it. And that goes a long way in uh, in in making homework fun and making schoolwork fun and, and getting it done. I think that's one of the hurdles that a lot of students have is just, this is no longer fun, this is a chore, this is hard. Um, it's not using my imagination. Maybe sometimes we're not having support at home. And so those are all things that sound like you were blessed with to have at home. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Chastity, any comments? Um, again, I think that that's one of the hurdles that we have today is that we don't make, we are not necessarily making learning fun or it's mm-hmm. difficult and challenging to make learning fun. We live in such a technological society where kids have instant gratification with mm-hmm. television and stories and video games. And so just to get them to learn to appreciate reading and learning is a hurdle in and of itself. But mm-hmm. I think it's less of a problem with homework and more of a problem with instruction. Yes, perhaps both, in fact, because sometimes I do hear that homework can be pretty rote and tedious and maybe something that they've already been through. So when we when we come back after our first break, I really want us to talk about what is the purpose of homework and why are we doing it? And then perhaps how we can enhance that parent child interaction while we're still doing homework. I want to hear from you guys. Give us a call about your thoughts at one eight one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email at family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back.
Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering hybrid doctorates, K-12 leadership, higher education, and math education. Combine online and face-to-face courses to graduate in three years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy tomorrow morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with two teachers, Chastity Burns and Sarah Porter. We're talking about homework, the benefits, or perhaps at times how it can be detrimental. And does it really make a difference in academic achievement? We'll get to that as we move along. I'd love to hear from anyone out there who has thoughts. I bet everybody out there has experienced homework, so probably has a thought about it. Um, a question, how did, it, how did it get done in your home? Um, did you get sent up to your room and you were alone? Or was it more an interactive thing where you sat around the kitchen table, perhaps, or or um, in the den while uh, others talked to you about it? I know in, um, in my experience, we were talking about off-air, I can remember my mother, whenever I had a project, it'd get laid across the kitchen counter, and we'd look at it. Mom would never do it for me, but she was very supportive and wanted to discuss what I was doing, as did my father. So um, it just because homework's there doesn't mean interaction cannot happen. Mm-hmm. But then what happens when everybody's stressed and there's so much there's mm-hmm. so much to do. Um and and you find that you're having to shorten dinner time um or uh do away with extracurricular activities that we know can mm-hmm. be so beneficial. Right. Mm-hmm. Um how can we make that better? What what perhaps um is going awry when we have people so there um uh, there was a media storm when um this teacher uh, letter went about about no homework. Why is that? What do you think? Um, I think it's probably because of the frustration that so many of us experience with homework. And so generally when you have a bad experience with something, initially the extreme opposite seems like a good solution. Right. And so hearing, or. Right. Yeah. So hearing that there's absolutely no homework after experiencing frustration or not liking it sounds like a good thing. But again, extremism, positive or negative, is usually 
detrimental. Not a good idea. Right. Yeah. And does that not know how Mark then factor into positive interaction with the family? Does that mean now everybody out there who's not doing homework is going to be around that uh, dining room table having um, ethereal discussions about <laughs> right. um, different topics? So I, I understand the goal, um, but then let's question whether or not we're going to achieve that goal just by taking mm-hmm. something away that may or may not be beneficial. Right. I think intention is, is important either mm-hmm. way. If mm-hmm. your intention is to be interacted with your child, you're going to be interactive either with their homework or in the absence of homework with the ethereal supper time. Right. So the intention needs to be there in either case. And let's be honest, it takes some effort, you know, yes. a- additional effort for parents to be involved with the presence of the homework. Yes. Um, but it, I think that, you know, you can model that learning mm-hmm. for your child, like the mm-hmm. previous caller yeah, was like alluding Timothy to. Yeah, brought up. Right. And, yes, and you can, um, you can get involved and you can read the stories they're reading and open discussions that are more than just learning scholastically and academically, mm-hmm. but it could open life lessons exactly. and, and be able to interact with your child in that way. Well, let's go to Tina in Biloxi. Tina is bringing up a point that I think many of us have had. Uh, Tina, you're asking about practicing music and athletics. So tell us what you have to say. Anyone who wants to excel at their field does some form of homework. Mm -hmm. An athlete runs miles alone sometimes. A musician practices the scales. Mm-hmm. Even famous rock bands practice. Anyone who wants to excel does some form of homework. And it's good to get children in the mode of doing that so that when they become independent individuals, they can understand the nuts and bolts of success. Mm. Tina, you're bringing up such an excellent point. And another one of the points that as I went through the literature uh, that is supportive of why getting kids into um, the mode of practice. You said a fa- even famous um, rock bands. Well, I'll tell you, my son is in a not-so-famous, though. Um, <laughs> he does travel a bit in a, a metal band, and he actually practices at least a night a week, maybe a couple with the group, and and then alone. So you're absolutely right. It, it sort of sets up um, the way to strive and be better at something. We all know that the the best way to become uh, a good reader who can read quickly and comprehend what they're reading is to just keep reading, practice right. reading, right. so you can pick up the speed of your reading. Mm-hmm. Any, any comments? I was going to say, uh, one of the things that as teachers uh, we kind of secretly do is called the invisible curriculum or the unseen curriculum. And yes. those are things, even though I was a science teacher and I taught science concepts, The things that I was also trying to impart to students were good study habits, how to think for yourself, Mm -hmm. how to find information. So maybe you don't know the answer to something, but 
how can we go look for it? How can we come up with answers? So all of these things are part of the invisible curriculum that we try to impart to students. And sometimes homework is a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Chastity was talking about you don't want to have the extreme of four and five hours of homework a night, but you don't want to have the extreme of no homework because then you lose all of the independent study and independent work that is part of that uh, individual, indivisible invisible not indivisible (laughs) (laughs) curriculum um and that there is there is value in learning how to be a self-initiating student well Mm -hmm. and for those students who prepare are preparing to go to college or have you know higher institutions of learning it is it's very self-taught and individually initiated education you're going to have that homework and so i feel by going to that extreme of no homework we do a disservice in preparing them for the type of learning they'll do for the rest of their learning career Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, thank you. Well, we have online Belle in Yazoo City, a retired teacher. So, Belle, tell us your thoughts. You've been there. You've been in the trenches. Um, It's a good thing I'm retired because I might be a little bit controversial. That's okay. I don't think uh, every subject needs to have written homework. I taught foreign language. I mm-hmm. would tell them to take their notebooks home of notes that they copied in class, which they were required to do, and study that. And I would tell them, because I know if you say that and they don't have to write it, a lot of kids think, well, we don't have any homework. Mm-hmm. But right. I would tell them when they were going to have a test so they'd be prepared. And another thing along these lines, um, I think that uh, I, th- I think kids, are required to get too many units today. I wouldn't dare go back to a thousand years ago when I was a kid in school, but um, the kids are tired. Mm-hmm. It takes hours to do six subjects. Mm-hmm. They it, are really mm-hmm. tired. You probably have seen that yourself. And uh, now there are some subjects you you've got to do it in writing, like. Uh, I love chemistry homework, and if if they're taking literature and history <clears throat> or social studies, they've got to read a few pages every mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. and they've got to practice their math and so on. But I'll just take your comments off the line, and thank you for taking my call. Oh, thank you, thank you Belle. Thanks for listening, and thanks for um, bringing your your perspective mm-hmm. uh, to the show. I think it's it's really good, and your point is. I, both of our teachers were nod, <laughs> nodding heartily because they they both clearly agree that um, every subject does not need um, absolute assigned homework. I could see when you were teaching foreign languages to go to tell them to go home and practice um, the phrases that you worked on uh, today uh, with your parents or with your siblings or whatever. So go ahead. I, I like what she said about written homework. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teacher, I rarely give written homework what I give is reading and I've noticed that our conversation has really centered around reading homework even with the previous caller Timothy and and all of that and I think one of those main reasons is because um, reading teaches critical thinking and critical thinking is how Mm -hmm. we learn and problem solve Mm -hmm. 
And um, that's how you make it more exciting, too. Right. You get to participate and think in something rather than doing something rote. Mm-hmm. So I have a question along those lines. Before I give it out, though, I want to give our number out because we want we have some open lines and we'd like to hear from more of you at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So here is my question. So what about um, the kids who have spelling words and are supposed to go home and write each spelling word 10 times? Or um, what about the child who was given um, 30 math problems uh, home to take it? And then I'm going to throw out another question. What about when you have seven teachers and each teacher gives, say, 30 or 45 minutes of homework? That expands into a huge mm-hmm. amount of homework. So so how do we deal with that? I, I threw out several questions. I want you all to just take them apart as you will. All right. Uh, well, uh, some, some of the things that I think are really important that you mentioned are time of homework. Mm-hmm. Um, and so lots of research has been done. We've talked a little bit about how it seems unclear where the pros or cons, but um, age appropriateness Mm -hmm. for homework seems to be a good rule of thumb. American Psychological Association has put out some information on that, saying that about 10 minutes of homework per night times the child's grade. So first grade times 10 minutes, they should have about 10 minutes homework per night. And by 12th grade, a couple of hours. A couple of hours. So if you look at that, that means you have to figure out between the teachers who gets what time. At school I was at, we were told they had two hours max per night that math had so much time and every and English had so much time for reading purposes usually. And then we each had a night where we could assign if we so chose to. So our school mandated ah, in order to, to, to decrease to control the, time. the mm-hmm. time so it didn't expand into a four hour Correct. marathon. Correct. Yeah. But as a general rule of thumb, um, if you can do the ten minute thing per grade, then that helps out as far as trying to decrease the time. But also just knowing, um, is it effective homework? So that's also a, a, mm-hmm. another topic to throw out. So not being just busy work right. for work sake. Yeah. And if we do that, I think that will decrease the time. Yeah, my little grandson um, who's in kindergarten, not not in this state, um, had to write his words several times, his spelling words, and he already knew how to spell them. And he just had the hardest time mm-hmm. um, writing them because he already knew them. So if I write mm-hmm. them once, isn't that enough? Writing. I prove that I know it. And then yeah. the homework, the purpose is lost because the child right. doesn't understand the intent. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So before our next break, let's go to Jerry in Brookhaven. Jerry, you have a, a comment about putting off homework yeah i went to school a long time ago (laughs) back when they gave homework over the weekend and uh, i don't i don't think they do that much anymore but i still i'm wondering if i'm the only one who still gets a little depressed late sunday afternoon (laughs) (laughs) because i have put it off the entire weekend you know and i just uh i to this day, I swear, I get a little depressed about sundown, you know, because 
something tells me I haven't done what I needed to do. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jerry. I have to tell you, I went to school a long time ago, and um, I actually know exactly what you mean. Mine was maybe anxiety as mm-hmm. as much as anything, just that anxious feeling about what have I not done. And invariably, I would have one of those dreams um, where I was either falling or couldn't find my algebra class. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, thoughts? I think that he um, makes a, a good point in actually you know, why homework might be a good thing because it teaches those time management skills and Mm -hmm. teaches us um, that we do have tasks and we have to figure out how to do them. And kind of in response to the question that you Mm -hmm. asked earlier about how to manage the time for homework, I really like the model that my son's teacher uses this year and a lot of the teachers do, I know. And that is that they send home all of the homework for the week at the beginning of the week. Mm -hmm. And so the child can pace himself and work on it. And if you have a busy night, you're able to to manage that. So you know what to expect. And so I think time management is one skill that's part of that invisible curriculum we were talking about yeah i have a feeling that if if that were left to to jerry or myself (laughs) we perhaps might wait until thursday night but i agree with you (laughs) but it teaches kids to to, yeah yeah early early i'm a procrastinator as well so um well let's let's go to our next caller um cornish in memphis you you have some thoughts about what's wrong with homework Yes, uh, I I think that uh, there there is this lady I think in Dallas, the one that said she would give no more homework. Mm-hmm. I think that that's uh, that's bad. Uh, homework, I believe, imparts discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have something to uh, to do, you get it done. I remember uh, way back when my grandmother she would recite little things, you know. Uh, to us about, um, you know, uh, the efforts that um, you make while others sleep, you're up doing your your best so that you can achieve. And I find it odd that there is no homework or limited homework, and you have people graduating from high school that uh, go in and apply for a job as a mason, but does not know how to spell the word mason or carpentry, Mm. but doesn't know how to spell the word carpentry. Homework. You go home and you get 100 words, and you don't have to rewrite them, unless, of course, there's punishment. I will not do so-and-so, you know, for 100 times or 50 times, but you you, you practice math. Math uh, requires practice, spelling, reading. I believe all of those things are important, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that it is in the best interest to go ahead and to eliminate them. Um, but that's the way things seem to be going. My experience is give the kids some homework. Yes. Even, mm-hmm. if you don't, even yeah. if you don't, when the kid goes home, you have homework. Repeat or redo what you were taught in the class during the day. Yeah. Thanks ever so much. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you for your call. And and I dare say there 
there are many people who feel as you do. And and again, our teachers were nodding. Um, <laughs> so when we come back, what we'll do is I want uh, them both to address um, Cornish's points about the practice. And then we have Don from Oxford. Don will be right back with you in a moment. We're talking about homework. How much is too much? Um, do you really need it? Is it very? Is it really helpful? Does it help in academic achievement ultimately? Give us a call with your thoughts at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is relatively speaking. We'll be right back. MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email You've got mail. to PSA at mpbonline.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Coming up this season on MPB's At Issue. What should customers be on the hook for? What were the mistakes made? The customer should not be paying for mistakes. That little bit of virus is enough to make you really, really sick and in some cases kill people. All lives do matter, but black lives are the ones that are being systematically gunned down. Join us for At Issue, Mississippi's only statewide TV news program, every Friday at 7.30 p.m., starting September 9th on MPB. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm here with uh, Chastity and Sarah, two teachers. We're talking about homework good or bad and we've had a great discussion already and want to get back to a couple of the questions that came out that our previous caller brought up but before we do that I do want to go on to Don in Oxford um, so you don't have to wait too long Don thanks for waiting Um, you have some thoughts about putting off homework well it's kind of in line with the guy who called said he got depressed on Sunday. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I do believe homework is needed. How, how, however, I do think that uh, homework in school can cause anxieties that last for a lifetime because I still have I, – I was in college in the early 70s. That's how old I am. Mm-hmm. And I still have a dream where I realize about halfway through the semester I've lost my um, schedule – and there's a class that I've missed for nearly the whole semester, and I'm wondering how in the world I'm going to catch up. 
and I can't mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't find my schedule. I can't remember what building it was in. So I'm. This is my dream. I'm running around trying to figure out how I can catch up. Oh my gosh, Don! That that is my dream. <laughs> it's a lifelong, lifelong anxiety. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should be calling in the other show with the psychological problems, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would be um, relatively speaking. So (laughs) actually, we are doing a show that's so funny, Don. We're doing a show um, later on in the month on anxiety. So (laughs) feel free. Although that is one of the most common. I'm very interested in sleep. And that is one of the most common dreams that individuals have um, who have been in school so gosh i yeah. hope that dream goes away for you though yeah i, I, I hope by the time i said it'll be gone you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway thanks a lot enjoy your show thank you so much for listening right, i know um both of you so chastity why don't you start with your thoughts about some of the things we were going through about the purpose of homework and all that um right i think one purpose of homework um you know in addition to some of the other things that we've discussed is that homework allows for teachers to see whether a student is understanding a concept that's being taught. It also allows for a parent to see if their student, if their child is understanding. And so it allows for a teacher to remediate or have an intervention for a student before it's time to do a test and assess that student's comprehension. And maybe that is one way when we look at it that it can prevent some of those anxieties because grades, I'm sure, are a source of anxiety for both Mm -hmm. students and parents alike. Yeah, one one of the um, issues that I saw brought up in, in some of the literature was that your point is well taken, but do teachers, do you feel like if a child demonstrates on homework that they did poorly and so they get a poor grade, do most teachers really try to go back to that student and give them that added attention do they, that they perhaps need? Right. I know I can't speak to the implementation, but um, I know my personal philosophy is that I never give homework that's busy work Mm -hmm. because I, I mean, to be honest, I don't want to take grading home. I don't want to have extra work to do unless I know that it's meaningful. And so if I assign homework, it is meaningful. And um, then, you know, I do in our class conversations get a feel for, okay, they really didn't understand this. Mm -hmm. We do need to go back and have a conversation about what they read. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's go. We have Jefferson in Ridgeland. Um, Jefferson, you're a former principal. Thanks for calling in. Good. Good. Thank you very much, ma'am. I am a, a former elementary school principal, and I'd like to make a couple of comments. First, in elementary, I think that homework should only be a review of what has been taught in the classroom, and there should be a definite amount of homework done in every single class, in every single grade. And my philosophy is that nothing homework should be given until the third grade, say 15 minutes in third grade, uh, 14, uh, about 20 minutes in fourth, fifth and sixth, about, about 40, 45. And this is what was done in my school, that every teacher had the same amount of homework given. And this was a, this was a, a policy that was approved by the superintendent of schools. Mm. It sounds like a great policy. So you're suggesting that in elementary school that it should be reinforcing the learning. Um, That's right, definitely, ma'am. Yeah, and I, that that makes great sense for elementary school. I would agree. Yeah, definitely. 
So that um, you just make sure that they they got the point, as mm-hmm. you were both mentioning, mm-hmm. as a as a reinforcer. Now I know that um, in upper grades, often that's not the case, and in fact, many times um, it's sort of homework. Uh, to look at what will be taught mm-hmm. in the class. Yes. So sort of a pre, not teaching, but pre-preparation. So it's not unfamiliar information. It's the for, inverted class. Yes. The inverted, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I tend to agree with you, uh, Jefferson, in that it, it does appear um, for, for kids who aren't able to do a lot of abstracting and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In the lower grades, it's really important to make sure that they're, they, they're learning. They really got it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So for parents to help with it as a reinforcer and a teacher, though I know there are good and bad teachers and there are good and bad doctors and lawyers and all of that, but but a teacher who's really dedicated is going to do just what Chastity said, and is if she gets homework back from a child and sees that, oh, good grief, they didn't get that math problem at all, they don't know division, we're going to have to do that again. Um but how much pressure do you think uh, children have, uh, I mean, teachers have to just cover material? So having to go backwards and redo a lesson plan, um, does that add pressure on the teachers? My teachers are nodding here, yes. Sarah, comment? Uh, unfortunately, yes, that's a, a big deal. Uh, not so much in the private schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a little bit more flexibility uh, just because we don't have to follow some of the state-mandated curriculum that they have to in public schools. So we had a little bit more flexibility to slow down if we needed to speed up through other things. But Chastity can comment on the curriculum that she is bound to. Right, and I not only teach a state curriculum, but I teach a state-tested subject in the high-stakes test that they yeah. have to pass to graduate. Ah. And so there, there is that pressure that you have to make sure that your students are um, proficient in all of the standards and um, so there isn't often time to go back if it's just one or two students, but I think that at the same time you have an obligation if you mm-hmm. see the majority of your students have not grasped a concept to go back. Um, and then if you have one or two who maybe don't get it, then you set aside that time to work independently mm-hmm. with those. I was going to say, having said that, every teacher I know comes to school early, works during their break time, will meet students during lunch, and will stay after school and meet students. Absolutely. So there's lots of time to meet with individual students if they don't get things. Yeah, I I um, often hear people talk about, oh, well, she's got a teacher's schedule or he's got a teacher's <laughs> schedule. You know, they get off at, you know, 3.30 and they have the summer breaks. Mm-hmm. I tell you, you are never off during that day. I know in my office, even as a physician, often I at least have a lunch break, and I think many times teachers are are not given that lunch break. So I, I think you uh, do a yeoman's work. I really do. So my, my hat's off to, to you, who works so very hard. Um, Jay, um, I'm just asking you a question. Is it okay if we keep going with the callers? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, let's go next to Laird in Columbus. Laird, do you have um, a comment about a news article? It's a, Yes, it's a news article that came out over the weekend, and there's a, uh, an um, elementary school in Holyoke, Massachusetts, 
that yeah. has eliminated homework, and uh, they've extended the, the class day. Uh, not only I guess to um, encourage the kids to do homework in their free periods, but also um, cut down on child care in the afternoon for single parents or working parents. So I just thought that was an interesting comment to uh, add. I don't know. I don't have a an opinion on it, but uh, I thought it was an interesting item. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm so glad you brought that up. I meant to earlier, and um, and I hadn't yet. Um, I thought it had some interesting concepts and certainly would be beneficial to um, single parents or dual working parents who have very limited time and end up with their child in child care until 6 o'clock or so and then have to go home, do supper, do bath, do homework. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought it was a really good concept. And I I saw both of y'all going, "Eh, Chastity, (laughs) you're kind of going, maybe, maybe not. Your comments. Well, my concern about the extended school day is that especially little ones Mm -hmm. can only focus for so long and can only stay that disciplined to not be able to talk, to to sit in their desk quietly, to not be able to move around. And while I understand financial burdens on single parents for child care and and that's for that matter, even on um, two parent homes with Mm -hmm. child care, um, at least it does give those children that mental break to be kids, to run around. Mm -hmm. And um, so financial burden aside, I think extending a school day is um, even more burdensome on the child and Mm -hmm. the ability to just let loose and relax for a little while. It certainly can be. And I know we're talking about homework, but I just have to put this in again. I Kids do not have a long attention span. Adults, at the best, have a 30-minute attention <laughs> right. span. So yeah. um, why not, in every school, have every child and teacher have some little short brain breaks, as they call, where every 30 minutes, everybody stops, puts their pen down, or puts stop. Uh, word processing or whatever is going on and um, do hand exercises or leg or j- jumping jacks or Get whatever it takes. Yes. Get up and dance. Move to yeah. learn. <laughs> Move to learn. Yes. Yeah. And um, many of you have heard uh, the research that we've talked about that's done by one of our researchers at our center on, on yeah, the, the squirm to learn issue, how important it is. So, um, Your point is well taken. I I think that I got the extended school uh, day, too, to help parents out. But golly, if they're doing it, I sure hope they have some extended movement in there, too. Mm -hmm. I was going to say extended recess needs to be included. Definitely in that. Yeah. And lunch and and nap time, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And she raises her hand. (laughs) Well, let's go next to Mary in South Haven. Hi, Mary. Thanks for calling. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Uh, you have a question okay. about children and their reading level. I do, I do. Um, I did a lot of volunteering at, at schools when my children were in school, and um, I remember sitting in the teacher's break room, and the, and one of the best teachers of all said, "My child, this child is reading at second grade level. I'm teaching sixth grade English. What can I do?" Ah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a tough, mm-hmm. tough situation, yes. and they should never have gotten to that level, reading on a second grade level, without intervention already. Sarah, okay, uh, 
I was just going to say that's all too common of a scenario. Right, right. It really is. And um, something that I hear in my office, I know, Chastity, you have some comments about that. Oh, um, I think that um, the only way to improve or increase reading level and reading fluency is to practice reading. Mm -hmm. It's just like anything else. And so yet again, when you do have things to do in the classroom, the only way to do that is to give that child extra practice and remediate that child and, again, when is the time to do that except outside of the regular school day? Right. The other thing that can happen and uh, that I want to talk about just real quickly is um, special education services. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean putting a child on a short bus and in a special education self-contained class. So if a child is not at the reading level they should be by the time they enter the grade that the teacher has, there is an option, right? Right. For uh, the teacher, one, to say, I have a child who is having difficulties and to um, get with a parent and talk about uh, getting together for a teacher support team, a parent-child support team meeting to discuss perhaps what might need to go on. Mm -hmm. Um, So they might be be put in the tier process where they observe the child to see what where they are, to look at some potential behavioral um, interventions. If the behavioral interventions don't work, then to put them through testing and then give them the support they need. That might be resource help, a pull-out class during school, or it might be some tutorial help later, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the kind of thing that I think... um, I know teachers know about sometimes there might be pressure not to move forward that way um, just because of the stigma, because of the concerns. Um, So certainly if problems are recognized um, at an earlier age, it's much better. Um, Can you imagine a child who is in the sixth grade knowing that they can't keep up? It's got to be daunting, frustrating, discouraging. Mm -hmm. Very discouraging. And that's when you start having those kids who drop out of school as Mm -hmm. soon as they can because Mm -hmm. they feel dumb. Mm-hmm. They know they're not where they need to be. And often it's embarrassing um, when others might point it out. Mm-hmm. And so we need to make sure that our intervention happens as early as it can. And it doesn't point things out as a failure of the teachers. What it typically is, is that the child may have some language problems that were never addressed or some other learning issues, or it could even be attentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know we're um, getting toward the end of the show. This has gone on um, just, it's been great. Thank you so much, Sarah and Chastity, both of you, for being here. Any last words? Uh, I was just going to say, I think that education is a wonderful thing. And if we all work together, I think we can um, make sure that our students learn very well and that we can all empower each other to make learning fun. And I think that the key to that is that we work together 
And just like in any other relationship, that we never play the blade game, but always try to find solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Should be a team effort. And, Absolutely. And the team should be comprised of the teachers. Um, certainly the principals need to be involved, but the parents, parents. the parents need to be very mm-hmm. active. And then the child needs yes. to be an active part. And if you feel like they're struggling, then um, hopefully the teachers will notice it in the classroom. But if you find as a parent or a grandparent that you feel like nobody's really noticing that we're struggling, then Make a call. Uh, make mm-hmm. a visit. Take the time. It can make such a huge difference, right. can it? Yes, it can. Because sometimes you might have a child who sits quietly in the back of the classroom who is very well behaved because they surely don't want to point out to anybody that they don't know what's going on. And and they really can get missed right. until you've gone along and they're kind of way in the ditch, right? Right. right. I think everybody's well-intentioned. Exactly. I I can't imagine that any anyone out there would um fail to help a child just because they don't want to. Hopefully. No. <laughs> right. Okay. Not at all. So thanks to all our listeners, thanks to our teachers, and thanks to our teachers who perhaps are listening for all the work that you do. We know it's a tough job. Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show is engineered by our producer, Jay White, our call screener, Liz Gill. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.